There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Welcome to the underground, the Steel City Underground, a Pittsburgh Steelers podcast made by fans like you for fans like you. Now, here's your host, Joe Kuzma. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Steel City Underground podcast. I am your host, Joe Kuzma, and you won't find me saying J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Oh, no. Hey, you guys all remember what happened when they went over to, I think it's still the Meadowlands JetLife Stadium or MetLife Stadium or whatever they call it when the Steelers went on the road a couple years ago back in 2014 and won or lost where the Jets won a miserable game with Michael Vick at quarterback, 20-13. to He threw two touchdown passes in that game. The Jets forced a bunch of turnovers. Well, the Jets are 1-2 and two in their last three games at Heinz Field. That's going all the way back to 2010, and that includes the AFC Championship game that the Pittsburgh Steelers won against them back in January of 2011. Let me tell you, folks. I'm expecting a little bit more of the same from the Pittsburgh Steelers coming into this game at Heinz Field this Sunday. I expect more of the same of what happened against the Kansas City Chiefs because the Steelers were far more banged up, had a lot more injuries heading into that game, had to deal with injuries internally during that game, and still came out with what I felt was, well, it was a route, but I felt it was a quality victory on every side of the ball, and I feel that the Jets are not a better football team than the Kansas City Chiefs. The only way that this goes down the tubes is if the Steelers let this get to their head. I felt that was part of what happened with the Eagles, but I think I also underestimated what the Eagles were capable of doing. The Jets' defense, let's put it right out there right now. The Jets' defense is obviously their strength. They were nearly a playoff team last year. They don't look anything like it right now. The Jets' rushing defense has not allowed 100 yards to any of their four opponents this year. Okay, through the first quarter of 2016, and I'm reading this from the Jets media guide, they say the Jets rank second in both rushing yards allowed per game and opponents rushing average, and the Jets defense has produced 17 tackles for loss, the second most in the league. Okay, okay, I I will bite on that just a little bit, just a little bit, because I let's put it this way, the New York Jets... They're a dumpster fire right now. Ryan Fitzpatrick is turning the ball over at an alarming rate. They are 1-3, and and they have a bunch of injuries themselves. They lost... They lost to the Bengals in a game in which the Bengals should not have won to start the season. They beat the Buffalo Bills 37-31. They gave up 31 points to the Buffalo Bills. Then... They lost to the Steelers' opponent last week, the Kansas City Chiefs, 
on the road, they go into Arrowhead Stadium and lose 24-3. They only put up three points. They turned the ball over eight times. That's the game that I watched in full prepping for the Chiefs matchup with the Steelers last weekend and gave me extreme confidence in just how bad the Jets look as I watched them again lose at home this time to the Seattle Seahawks. Now they have to come to Pittsburgh and play a team that I feel is going to play very much like just watching the Seattle game. Let's put it this way. Seattle, maybe their offensive line isn't their greatest strength, and Russell Wilson is capable of moving up in the pocket. He's capable of making reads. He's capable of extending plays. They're going to face all of that with Big Ben on Sunday. And even though they haven't given up this whatever 100-yard rusher, they have given up. They have given up, okay, 324 passing yards to the Bengals, 393, or I'm sorry, 307 passing yards to the Buffalo Bills, 393 total yards to the Bills, not exactly a blazing offensive juggernaut up there in Buffalo, 221 passing yards to Alex Smith, who just dinks and dunks. And a lot of that had to deal with the Kansas City Chiefs were scoring and just creating turnovers and just playing possession football there. And then, of course, last week, 288 yards yet again to the Russell Wilson, who also doesn't attempt a whole lot of passes in the Seahawks offense. So you have the... Seattle Seahawks, 32 attempts in that game. Russell Wilson completes 23 of those passes, 309 yards and three touchdowns. Now, I'm going to bring up another thing real quick before I really dive head into this game. Three of the lowest graded players, pro football focus, for those of you who put stock into this, I like it, they grade it. Okay, they're grading players, they have their system, just like comparing fantasy football or anything else. You can't always take it at face value. But we're just going to go with week four in this Seahawks game for the Jets. Every single position, pro football focus grades the player, and the worst graded player at every position is put into an article that they have over there. And you could go over to their website. And PFF has three players from the Jets were the worst at their position last week. One of those was the punter who just he's averaging under, I think, 40-some yards. Let's see, 39.4 yards a punt. One is their safety because, like I said, the Jets' defense looking a lot like the Steelers. They cannot defend the pass this year. And Darrell Rivas and Rivas Island is underwater or has vanished, maybe like Lost, if you remember that TV show that used to air. Kelvin Pryor, who's one of the safeties, surrenders four catches on five targets for 52 yards when he's the primary cover man. Over the top safety, he was late on help on a handful of plays, including a touchdown, and that film was broken down in depth as I'm doing my research. It's just it's mind-blowing to see just how bad their pass defense is and how bad their pass offense is. This game, I think, will be one at the line of scrimmage. Oh, the other terrible player, the worst player that they had, was one of their receivers who only had three yards after a catch and had a very miserable drop just to throw that out there. So if if I'm looking at this and you know, you're looking at the rushing defense for the Jets, 
they have not faced a Le'Veon Bell yet, okay? They have faced McCoy. The Seahawks have, like, a full committee back there, too. But the reason for this is is that their pass defense has gotten so bad, the teams just aren't even running the ball against them, okay? So, through the first four games of 2016, the Jets' offense has converted nearly half of their third down options, okay, their, their attempts. They have the fourth best percentage in the league on that. And on defense, they've held opponents to a 34.8 conversion rate on third down, the seventh best in the league. The Jets are just are one of just two teams to rank in the top ten this season in both offensive and defensive third down percentage. That other team is the Pittsburgh Steelers, folks. The rush defense ranks fourth, so they're just two spots just marginally behind the Jets for many of the same reasons, too. Teams are trying to throw on the Steelers, but we saw how that worked last week. And then the Steelers' offense ranks second overall. This is just really, really, really going to be one heck of a showing, I think, for Pittsburgh. The all-time record for the Jets. They are 5-17 and versus the Steelers, and they are 1-7 and on the road when playing in Pittsburgh. They only have one win in our home. Like I said, Ryan Fitzpatrick is terrible. He can't read a defense. He has had nine interceptions in two games, and furthermore, not helping him. Though Brandon Marshall's been nursing a foot, he has been a full participant in practice this week. However, Eric Decker appears that he may be out for this game. And then you've got Matt Forte, who many feel is an older clone of maybe Le'Veon Bell. I don't know if they're just trying to limit his touches throughout the season, thinking that Forte might be fragile, may get hurt, blah, blah, blah. But he was out-snapped by Bilal Powell, 37-34 to last week against the Seahawks. And maybe not as much concerning in the run game because Forte had 16 total touches from scrimmage. He outtouches Powell 16 to 10. He got 14 carries to four carries rushing the football uh, when comparing Forte to Powell. But Powell was the main primary target out of the backfield for Ryan Fitzpatrick catching six receptions against the Seahawks, maybe trying to do a little dink and dunk there too. But as we saw, the Steelers get killed with that. One week, they have come back, and it's maybe not their Achilles heel this week. So the main storyline, of course, is going to be that defensive line, that front four from the New York Jets, how those guys, I mean, we knew going into this season that the Jets would have a very formidable formidable defensive line. You have former Steeler Steve McClendon there. You have Leonard Williams brought in from the draft. Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, who sometimes slides out as one of the outside linebackers when they change their schemes. But overall, I'm not too afraid of what's going on here. We have Terrell Revis in the backfield has not practiced Wednesday or Thursday. He's nursing a hamstring. He hasn't been good to begin with. The guy on the other side of him, Buster Screen, we all remember as being one of these guys that was just getting torched when we play when he played for the Cleveland Browns. I don't. Un- and then Calvin Pryor, of course, has not been very strong. Nor has Marcus Gilchrist. Their other safety. As long as Ben has time and. The Kansas City Chiefs had a, had a good defensive line, and we saw what happened with the Eagles. And last week, this was a little bit more patched up, and there was reason for concern because the Steelers' offensive line 
is banged up themselves. But if they give time for Big Ben, and that's basically what they're going to need, is to give him time, I don't see how. And we didn't even mention Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Marcus Wheaton, Sammy Coates is just a deep threat here. All of these weapons, and Darius Hayward Bay has been practicing, by the way, and should be out there as well. These guys, the Steelers are going to stretch the field. Uh, they're not going to be able to cover. I just, I don't see how their pass defense is going to be able to keep up. They've given up like 1,100 yards in four games passing on D, as has the New York Jets. Ladies and gentlemen, as I always say, you've got Big Ben. Big Ben throws as many touchdown passes last week as he does completions, or incompletions, I should say, five apiece, versus Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is nursing here a 55.8 completion percentage. He has thrown 10 interceptions to four touchdowns this season. He has a quarterback rating of 57.6 on the year. He is just absolutely terrible. And here's the official stat for this defense. Opponents have put up 1,140 yards passing. Now, I said that with the Seahawks, who aren't known necessarily as a passing team. I wouldn't say necessarily Tyrod Taylor is a major threat as a passing QB either. And then you have Alex Smith, who never throws for like 300 yards, and they've given up 1140. And then all of these turnovers, they are turnover prone. I do see the Steelers, they're a seven-point favorite, and I could definitely see that. But again, the injuries the injuries are piling up. As no surprise to anyone, Senquez Golson and Cody Wallace already ruled out for this game. Joining them, Eli Rogers will be out for yet another a second consecutive game. Not practicing for the Steelers heading into Thursday. Cutting this podcast a little early. I I don't know what the reports are going to be for Friday, but it does not look good for Marcus Gilbert. We have a little bit of hope for Ryan Harris, the backup right tackle to possibly come in and fill in for him. If neither of those guys can go, Marquise Pouncey. Marquise Pouncey has been taking snaps at right tackle. I kind of like that. I kind of like the alternative of where the Steelers are thinking here. Now, Cody Wallace had been the back, uh, backup guard and backup center, but B.J. Finney has filled in for him, or has filled in for Wallace, has come in, filled in for Ramon Foster, and has been one of PFF's top-graded offensive players for the Steelers' top five graded the last two weeks, beating out even your perennial pro bowlers such as David DeCastro, Marcus Gilbert, as I'd already mentioned, is very highly thought of around the league, and many feel he should be a pro bowler. And then, of course, Pouncey himself. So Finney, it looks like with Foster coming back, is going to slide over and play center. Now, I don't know how that's how that might work. He has been tremendous as a guard, maybe even as good or better than Foster has. And Foster has not given up a sack, by the way, yet this year. So... This could be the best option for the Steelers is to toy with having Pouncey at right tackle. I just hope, just hope Pouncey could stay healthy. We have no more injuries. And it doesn't really appear that maybe the Marcus Gilbert thing might be too serious, but it might be just enough where they heed caution and sit him for a week. Ryan Harris dealing with the shin. I heard it was a hematoma before, and I don't know how serious his injury is as well. Don't know. There were some reports of Justin Gilbert as well, who did not practice, hurting his knee and being limited in practice on Wednesday. However, 
He does not practice for Thursday. And they say that that's not serious either. There were some reports of him being carted out of there. Apparently those reports have been debunked by uh, NFL Network reporter Aditi Kikawala, who had said she spoke with uh, team representatives and several others had noticed that Gilbert had walked out of the facility just fine, and the hope is is that he gets to play this upcoming week. However, there are many other defenders coming back. Gilbert only limited to eight snaps last week. Doing pretty good. One of those was defending a pass at Travis Kelsey, if I recall correctly. The main concern being Ryan Shazier with his knee will not be out there again this week. However, I'm not sure if that's just another precautionary measure as they feel Vince Williams, who did uh, he did do a heck of a job, they probably feel he's more than adequate to play this game in Shazier's spot and maybe give him another week of rest. Limited in practice, possibly returning Robert Golden, uh, the starting safety and linebacker Jarvis Jones, both nursing some injuries. The hope is, is both of them can go. If not, we saw Jordan Dangerfield have a very good game in his first start. I wonder if he gets the nod over Sean Davis. Sean Davis, as you know, had been playing the slot corner. However, with Artie Burns playing on the outside, Artie had had a pretty solid game himself. And William Gay, who naturally has been a better slot corner throughout his career, slid over it. So the Steelers have a lot of possibilities with their secondary. And in matching up with some of these players, uh, Decker is more than likely not going to be there. And I'm going to talk about Brandon Marshall here in a minute, but really no no tight end threat from the Jets. Austin Safarian Jenkins was claimed off waivers, but he is not yet ready to uh, fill into their system, and I do believe he's just out and just inactive uh, right now anyhow. And, of course, without Decker, that leaves Quincy Anunwa, who has been an, an actually a pretty bright spot for the Jets. But that had been when Decker and Marshall were also on the field, when he jumps up into that main role as the second wide receiver. Just really not getting the job done. And, of course, uh, the Seattle secondary will have a lot to do with that as well. Uh, Anunwa was targeted seven times, the second most to Marshall's 12. Now, Marshall targeted 12 times last game, only caught four of those balls. He did have 89 yards and a 41-yard long. Anunwa only had a 15-yard long. He did catch six of those for 60, so about a 10-yard average. And then, of course, coming out of the backfield was Bilal Powell, as I had mentioned, targeted nine times, had six of those for 54 yards, and they also caught a break because they got the kick for three points on a field goal after a review of the play showed that a Bilal Powell fumble slash interception by the Seahawks uh, did not actually occur. They said he did not make the football move. So these are guys that are capable of coughing it up, and the Steelers are capable of making them cough it up, and I do see that as being one of the big difference makers. Anthony Chiquillo, who was nursing a knee injury, was a full participant in practice. As I said, Ramon Foster's back and saying he doesn't feel any pain. Darius Hayward Bay, who may have had a shoulder concern, also full participant, and coming back and probably one of the biggest Maybe one of the the biggest bright spots here is Roosevelt Nix finally looks like he's going to be active on Sunday. That is huge when we're talking about blockers and we're talking about the Jets' uh, front defensive front there. 
I think Nix is going to make all the more of the difference getting mixed in there. And I was listening to this on Sirius XM NFL radio, and I had to mention, I have to mention this because I love listening to Jim Miller. I love listening to Pat Kerwin. They had a caller that came in and and he was talking Steelers. And one of the big things that was mentioned by Pat and Jim is that, you know, one week the Steelers can show you they're just going to do everything with tight ends. One week they're just going to throw the ball and sling it all over the field. Another week they're just going to pound it with Bell and D'Angelo Williams. This is where we're at. This is another chess piece back uh, on the board with the Steelers now with Roosevelt Knicks. And it's going to continue to be this way as guys continue to get healthy. Eli Rogers hopefully comes back. We still don't know what's going on with Darius Green. Hopefully we will soon within the next coming in the coming weeks. We have there has been no news about him. Can you imagine getting that guy? healthy and on the field. I think all hope had been lost and that he's been forgotten about, but can you imagine if some news comes out that he gets activated from the pup list? I'm just going to throw that out there. But when when the Steelers are, regardless, they're moving all of these pieces. They have been, as long as they have time, I don't see, especially with Darrell Rivas maybe not playing in this game, the Jets definitely do not have a Marcus Peters quality type corner, and as you saw, they got abused with that poor rookie last week filling in for, oh, I can't remember the corner who was hurt and couldn't play, but this is almost like deja vu all over again with actually a worse secondary than what the Chiefs had, and as long as they have time, I think the Steelers' wide receivers are going to be all over the place because they lead the NFL in completions, attempts, and touchdowns on passes, traveling 25-plus yards in the air. That's courtesy of ESPN. The Steelers rank second on third down with a conversion rate of 49.06. They rank fourth in red zone offense with an 80% efficiency rate. And as I said, Mike Tomlin is just fearless, pedal to the metal. He is going to throw it downfield. You see Sammy Coates is just filling in very nicely, where leaving off what Martavis Bryant hasn't been. This is what we expected. He continues to grow. We see him fight for the ball against Marcus Peters in the very opening play on Sunday Night Football against the Chiefs. The Steelers are going for it on, on fourth downs. They're going for two-point conversions. They're, put, they're, they're forcing opponents to think now, not only do they have to score a touchdown, they might have to go for two, and the Steelers have all of these packages and all of these components, and they can do practically whatever they want out there because they have Ben Roethlisberger. And I can see Ben, I said he needed to be sharp. And he didn't look sharp very beginning of that Chiefs game. He threw a pass behind Antonio Brown and yada, yada, yada. And I think there was one that kind of skipped out of the hands of Lev Bell early. And then he looked like Ben the rest of the game, did he not? And if he plays like that, and he does at home, he has an outstanding home record, particularly in Heinz Field. Look out. This could be the same way we were looking at the Colts game two years ago that I said it was very much reminiscent, and it did, and it did turn out that way. You know what happened the week after when he threw those six TDs against the Colts? He came back and did it again at home against the Ravens one more time, and that could be the same thing this weekend, and that's what I am looking forward to. I'm also looking forward to... Brandon Marshall, you should drive your Porsche. It was a Porsche, right? You should just pull it right up there to, what is that, uh, corner of like Tony Dorsett or, you know, just just General Robinson. Just bring it right down there. Pull it around into the gold lot right so all the tailgaters can see it right here in front of Heinz Field. We want to see the prize that you're going to hand over to Antonio Brown because, boy, 
your 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 guy Ryan Fitzpatrick is he throws the ball at you like twelve times, but he can't get it into your hands but four. And I know not all of that's on Brandon Marshall, but you know what? You ran your mouth at the beginning of the season. You wanted to make this bet that you would beat Antonio Brown, have more catches, more yards, more whatever. And I debunked the crap out of that in an article during the preseason. So now it's now time to put your money where your mouth is, Brandon, because you know what? You're facing you're facing a guy that came off of the trash heap in Buffalo that we got off of waivers and turned into a starting corner that has been playing out of his mind in Ross Cockrell. You got another guy on the other side who's a first round draft pick, pretty raw, but fast as anybody and been making plays and getting better every week in Artie Burns. You got somebody that we want to say is one of the old men on this very now young defense that used to be criticized for being old in William Gay. You have another rookie and a second rounder in Sean Davis who could be at safety, who could be playing over the slot. You have undrafted guys such as Robert Golden and Jordan Dangerfield manning that safety position if Davis isn't there. And you have Mike Mitchell who just likes to lay the boom Come on, who are you going to go up against? Who are you abusing? I want to see it. I really do. It feels like I'm really talking a lot of smack. I was hoping to have some Jets fans and bloggers, and they didn't even want it. They didn't even want to come on the show because the New York media is in such a panic over their teams right now, whether it's Odell Beckham doing his little circus act with the Giants or uh, just – Ryan Fitzpatrick in this Jets team imploding at 1-3, and three, hopefully sending them at 1-4, and four, ladies and gentlemen. Be sure to follow us on social media. I'm going to try and do some more. Hopefully it does not rain at Heinz Field this weekend. I'll try and live stream the introductions. I'll try and get you renegade as I did last weekend and all the fun stuff that's going on on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. For all of you that already follow, thank you very much. The platform continues to grow well over 13,000 combined followers across our social media platforms. Still a lot of improvement. I know there's still a lot more of you from Steelers Nation that aren't giving us likes and follows. So, yes, I'm begging you. Go on over. Hit the button. You won't be disappointed with all the stuff that we put out. The Steel City Underground team that has my back. Just give a quick shout-out. My associate editor, Eric Herman. You have Brian Roach. Terry Fletcher, you have Zach, you have Josh, you have Jim, and you have Ron, who comes to us from the Pittsburgh Sports Daily Bulletin. Appreciate each and every one of you and all the hard work that they pour into this. And, of course, a pat on my own back. Thank you, everyone who has left feedback, positive comments. Truly appreciate it. It is very humbling, and I love each and every one of you, and I love reading it, and it just – you know, the passion I have for these Pittsburgh Steelers, that is a driving force. But when I see that other people really buy into the underground movement that we have put in here, man, it is such a motivator. Be safe. Be good. Go Steelers. And I will catch you later. Hopefully, hopefully a big victory here at Heinz Field on Sunday. Take care, folks. We would like to thank you for listening and remind our listeners to follow us on social media and our website, www.steelcityunderground.com. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain.
Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>